So if you're going to start a podcast, you want to get inside people's heads, right? You want to make sure everyone's listening, their ears are working good. Well, today we're going to get inside your wallet. Welcome to Kingdom Speak <laughs> with Pastor Daniel McKillop. Oh. Ouch. Faith seek promises. Here we go. <laughs> the next donor will receive please tax $22 too. Older. <laughs> We are back by popular demand. Yes. yes. Everybody was just waiting for us to come back. So if you were clicking refresh on your phone, waiting for the next episode is here. We're here. Whew. Although Good Friday was last week, today's going to be a Good Friday. Yeah. Today we're celebrating Easter last week. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, today's guest, we managed to catch him between flights on his private jet. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. It was. A, it was a. It was a real trip. Yeah. Before we get into talking about his lavish lifestyle, <laughs> let's. I would like to. I would like. I, we start with reviews, so we should not. You know, it's easy to jump out of the structure, right, and get right into it. But, right. All right. So right. listen to this. This is some of the most uplifting, insightful, and clear teaching I've heard in a long time. We get caught up in having amazing preachers. But we also need great teachers like this to make you think about the word and the little golden nuggets God has for us. Thank you to the whole team for putting out this podcast. It truly has been a blessing. And that is from Nina on Apple Podcasts. So thank you very much. Awesome. Five-star review. How about that? Awesome. Thank you for the reviews, everyone. It makes a difference. Uh, we are consistently climbing. Uh, and We are last... I think uh, last night I checked, we are 113th globally on Chartable for spiritual and religion category. Thank you. Yeah. That's not because of us. That's because of everybody listening. That's right. it. Right. So that's, that's really it. great. Uh, I also wanted to give a quick shout out. So every month we kind of do these analytics um, by country and then by city. And it just then by neighborhood, by home, and by room. That's right. By IP by, address, no. by device. <laughs> yeah. This would be a good ad for a VPN right now. Yes, yes, it would. Yes. If you would like yeah. to sponsor. Yeah. So the top city in the United States is Seattle for the month of March. So thank you, Seattle, for listening. Wow. Some good coffee people out there in Seattle. Space Needle. Number two, it just so happens, and this is not arranged, but number two is Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, come on. For the month of March. How cool is that? Memphis is definitely repping today, so that's, that's good. Right. That's right. The kingpin in Memphis, Pastor Caleb Adams. Yes. That's right. Number three is Dallas, number four, Houston, and number five, Edinburgh. So thank you for listening. Hey, Thanks what about so Canada? Uh, do do we have give provincial? Second, if you give me a second. New Brunswick, we lost, you know, we, we ruled the first few months. That was because friends and family were only Yeah, yeah. we had everybody at. <laughs> Producer Randy's yeah. like, would you listen to my podcast? <laughs> yeah. Keep talking, I'm getting it. Are you getting it? Okay. This, is, this isn't more. on the script. Okay. It's working. Yeah, no, but New Brunswick was, and then I think Ontario kind of like mm -hmm. smoked us. Here we go. So. Statistics in Canada. So let's. Let, why don't we do uh, provinces? So top province is Ontario. Still, still, New Brunswick that, is is coming in 
in at a very distant second place. Alberta, number three. Quebec, number four. Nova Scotia, number five. Oh, very good. Yep. So there's a lot of Canadians listening. Good stuff. I've never done the math quickly, but breaking it down per capita, I still think we have more American listeners than Canadian. So we need to work on that. Okay, Canadians, help us out. Put down the Putin and listen to Kingdom Now Speak. they don't have to put it down. Don't be so extreme. <laughs> you can listen while you're eating Putin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you see the little conversation we had online with one of our listeners in Montreal? And he's talking about Montreal Putin. Yeah, smoked meat. It's like, well, wouldn't that be nice to go to Montreal and have one of those right yeah. now? Someday. Someday. Maybe. Someday. Maybe. You know, we, we get a lot of uh, very interesting feedback, mm-hmm. a lot of messages, mm-hmm. and that means a lot to us. It really does. We, we appreciate, read every one of them, mm-hmm. and we value your input. A lot of that happens on kingdomspeak.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't been over there, we have a forum, and a lot of good discussion happens there um, that's exclusive to that site. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reviewers, and this has happened to us a couple times, have left us reviews, kind of like what you just read. Yep. And then they've called out specific guests mm-hmm. that we've had on, and they have said, we need more of... Right. Co-host Derek and producer... No, Ryan. never. Correct. Never. Correct. Never. That is the... the <laughs> never. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. I don't know where you're reading. Yeah. You guys have your own website, don't you? <laughs> they got their own fan club. They got a producer-based fan club. One that frequently gets called out is who we have back with us today, mm. and that is Pastor Caleb Adams from the greater Memphis area. Mm. And, man, we are thrilled that you're back with us again today, Brother Adams. It's a thrill to be with you guys. We have... We have. I'm not. We're, we're mm. not um, just blowing smoke when we tell you that the feedback from the theology of blessing episodes that you done. When when was that? Back maybe August last year, September. Yeah, it was at some point last year. I've yeah uh, mm-hmm. lost track of the time. We um, man, we just we have gotten a lot, a lot of feedback from it and. I know there's so much of this, again, referencing the um, review that we just read. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much um, importance on really breaking particular subject matters down mm-hmm. and teaching them. Uh, before we started recording, we referenced this. I've been talking about it to our own church mm-hmm. um, over the last few weeks, that you know, if we're not careful, we just kind of push a button on the way by in a preaching setting, assuming that everybody already has mm. the full revelation and understanding of the depths of that biblical principle or subject matter. And really, a lot of times we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't. I've done this with a new converts class um, a week ago on Wednesday night. And so, so many times I've been guilty of doing this in the pulpit, you know, that Jesus the Jesus of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. And we took the time a week ago during one of our classes to just go through like 40 or 50 verses, prophetic references to the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled 
in the New Testament, and you could see revelation happening while we were just methodically going through Old Testament prophecy, New Testament fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. So uh, we're going to be tackling a subject matter again today, and and Pastor Adams, uh, I believe God has given you um, a special insight in this particular area um, as it relates to finances and how that works with the kingdom of God. So we want to dive into this, and we really do appreciate you being with us. It means a lot. Um, I know that our listeners are going to enjoy this. And so we want to dive into it um, today and really, really hear from you about how much finances and the kingdom um, interrelate. Does it make a difference what your finances do in relation to the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Absolutely makes a difference. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead and, and, and begin breaking that down for us um, about how, how, because a lot of times the kingdom, we, we referred to it tongue in cheek, cheek, just in case there's people listening that don't, do not know who Pastor Adams is. He does not have a luxury jet yet. <laughs> that we've <laughs> seen. Yeah. Yeah. I got to save my pennies for a few more weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you got to ride with those demons in that tunnel for a little while longer? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Many people, uh, probably more so non kingdom minded, worldly minded people, um, look narrowly at the kingdom of God and have labeled it as just a Ponzi scheme of sorts. And it's made us kind of pull back from having these important discussions. Yeah. Yeah, it has, you know, I've reflected on the subject of uh, tithing and giving that we'll, we'll talk about uh, today and growing up in the church as you mentioned earlier, I've heard a lot of things mentioned in passing from the pulpit, uh, tithing, offering finances, I, I suppose, probably get mentioned in most churches on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. But to my recollection, uh, growing up in the church, not one time did I ever hear uh, any minister, pastor, any other minister take an entire service and teach on the subject of tithing or offering. Sure. Once again, I've heard it mentioned many times. So consequently, I think what's happened is is in a lot of our churches, we have a lot of people that understand that we should give a tenth of our income as tithe and give above and beyond tithe in the area of offering. And we do that. Many of our people, apostolic people, are very faithful in their tithing and their offering. Sure. It's something we do out of obedience. But I'm afraid a lot of times we do things out of obedience, but not out of revelation. Wow. And anytime we're doing mm. something out of obedience alone, and that obedience is not uh, on a good foundation of understanding, then we're going to miss out on a lot of the blessing associated with it. Take, for example, water baptism. If if someone never heard any scriptures about baptism, they sure. didn't understand that's the moment that the blood is applied. They didn't understand that their sins were remitted. Right. Maybe all they do is baptism is you get in a tank of water at church and it's some religious ritual and, 
and just do it because you want to be a part of the church. If you got baptized in Jesus' name with no teaching, no understanding, no Bible study, I suppose God would honor it, uh, but you would definitely be missing a lot of the experience and the blessing associated with it simply because you didn't know. Same thing with communion. We take communion service, and uh, uh, if you uh, just come to the communion table and uh, and you had no teaching, sure. all you would see is is a uh, little unleavened cracker and a little cup full of um, beverage. And, that was uh, safe. Oh, I was wondering. There. Oh. <laughs> You're starting yeah. to act like an evangelist now. That would be another podcast we can do. Okay. <laughs> um, but if all you just see is the uh, unleavened bread and the beverage, and you come and take it, it's going to mean very little. Uh, so for us to get the full blessing out of anything we do, there needs to be teaching. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to finance, uh, we know that a lot of ministers uh, have gotten labeled in our society as being money-grubbing, greedy yeah. uh, con artists. Yeah. And uh, in, the, in the world of the television preacher, the TV evangelist, uh, there's been so much uh, chicanery, so much fakery. Mm-hmm crazy stuff, charismatic prosperity doctrine. Anybody that's been exposed to that, you get a bad taste of it. Yep. You don't want to have any part of that. And apostolic ministers are not that. We are not that. We don't right. approach uh, finances that way. But because we are not that, we, we vigorously oppose the charismatic prosperity doctrine. And, and we do not get in the ministry uh, because we love money or it, it's not a means of personal gain. That's not the reason, but we let the pendulum swing the other way. And so instead of being that charismatic uh, con artist that, that is uh, it's all about money and manipulating people to, to extort more money out of them. We oftentimes go the other way to where we don't talk about it at all. Or if we do, it's the man. Minimum. I've got to go back to a statement that you've made on anybody in our audience that has not listened to the theology of blessing. You need to go listen to it, both episodes. But you made a statement on the, I think the first episode that we'd done with you, that in an attempt to not be the prosperity doctrine leaning, uh, charismatic style preacher, a lot of times we spiritualize poverty. And when you said yes, that, <laughs> that was a game changer. So well said. So well said. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when it, when it comes to finances, really before we get into finances, we've got to talk about mission. And the mission mm-hmm. of the church is very simply this, and that's to reach the world with the gospel. Yes. It's a great co-mission that Jesus gave. And when we go, God works and we have a mandate to take the gospel into every nation, uh, every ethnicity. And in many of our cities now, you evangelize the world in your backyard with the massive amount of immigration. I don't know if immigration is a deal in Canada, but here in uh, 
just in the Memphis area, there's untold uh, people groups and uh, yep. many different languages. And so you can literally have a foreign mission work hmm. right here in our city. And so we're mandated Amazing. to go. The mission is foremost. Until you understand God's mission and that, that we have a mandate, it's hard to get into the discussion of finances. But when we know mission and we're on mission and we're taking steps to go there, that's where the doctrine of biblical blessing and, and financial uh, things like tithing and offering, that, that comes into play because, because at some point to do mission, mission is more than just a spiritual endeavor. It is obviously spiritual. Sure. We pray. God gives us a burden. You have that vision of the Macedonian uh, a man saying, right. yep. come to us. But after you have that vision, somebody's got to go get in the physical boat. Yes. Somebody's yes. got to pack a physical suitcase. Yes. And somebody's got to buy a ticket to get on that boat. And so mission remains unaccomplished if there is not some natural action and resources put into it. So here we have a mission to reach a great big world, but the only way we're going to reach that mission is we've got to get people to understand that there's massive financial implications to accomplishing that mission. And I personally believe that where we start getting blessed as a people is, is at that point where we intersect our business, our career, our income with God's mission. When we attach wow. our financial state of affairs or our world wow. with the mission of God, it's going to open up the work. God's going to bless it. And he will push us forward financially so that we can propagate the gospel. Wow. So how, how do you do that? I know that's a general question. Well, I think, uh, and, and, and I'm going to kick a sacred Pentecostal cow here. <gasps> I'm going to kick, oh I'm going to kick this cow so hard. They're going to hear it moo in San Francisco. There, okay. Yeah, all right. That's right. That's good. Okay. A lot of our giving services, we've, when we have a special giving service, Frequently, we're challenged to do a sacrificial offering. Oh, yeah, we've heard that a lot. <laughs> and let me just make a caveat. There are times that we're like the widow with the two mites and we give all. Sure. There are times for a sacrificial offering. There are that. But, but biblically, <laughs> sacrifice is not the normative way to give. Wow. Yep. Because here's the thing, if, if, if I make X amount of dollars uh, a week, uh, I can give my tithe and offering that just as a regular course, but then if I'm challenged to give sacrificially, I can only tighten the belt so much. Sure. At some point I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I, I'm, I, I, I can sacrifice until there's nothing left to give. Yes. And so... And and really, they can almost um, you can almost sacrifice your way out of good stewardship. That's right. That's right. It's it's possible to give too much. Yeah, and so then at that point, in respect of one biblical principle, you're violating another one. That's right. So 
for giving to really be sustainable and for this to really work, we got to veer away from the ditch of sacrifice, extreme sacrifice to one side. But on the other side of this is, is God wants to bless us and to increase our giving capacity by increasing our income. Yes. Opening up doors of opportunity where the yes. finances flow into our life to when we give, we're not giving sacrificially. We are giving out of blessing. I've got scripture hmm. to prove it. God told Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, I will bless thee. And then you'll be a blessing. He did not say, Abraham, be a blessing. you will sacrifice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and through your sacrifice, you'll bless other people. But you just let me put a blessing on you. Oh, that's and good. And you'll have something to let flow into other people. And there's there are, there are untapped wells of blessing that are available for God's people right now. And we just got to get the vision, and, and and hopefully discussions like this will spur people to start oh, thinking a little bit different. Absolutely. So, Pastor Adams, let me ask you this. So, is it wrong for me to go and swipe a credit card to give <laughs> to a missionary? If in the sense of going into debt to give, I would not advise it. I Whether or not it's wrong or not, I, I mm. couldn't say that, but I would definitely not advise anybody to go into debt to give probably not a good idea to you know to see a need and say oh you know you would like to help out right but right if god hasn't given it to me to give it's probably not me that's going to be the guy that's going to step up that's right well and and this comes back to what you're saying though which is so revolutionary if if you have a goal in mind to give then go get it (laughs) yes there's a concept and then give it there's a step before yeah 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 say god if i get it i'll get it yeah (laughs) yeah that's right that's exactly right and so god wants god wants his people to be blessed to walk in blessing and the blessing of god means that you have enough to meet your needs and enough to fulfill the part of the mission to which you are called to fill God will see to it that we always have enough. Prosperity, biblically speaking, is 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 well-being. It, it, it's enough. It is not lavish excess. Yeah. It, it's not it's not the uh, private jet, and that, that's not what biblical prosperity is. Biblical prosperity is you have enough to take care of all of your needs, and whatever God's called you to do or called your local church to do. Biblical prosperity is that you're going to have enough to get that done. Right. And the way we get it done is through tithing and offerings. Right. Right. Absolutely. I, um, th- this is, this is so, this is so good. I don't know if you've ever had an argument with somebody, sorry, but I just wanted to stay on this topic for a little bit more. So has, have you ever heard somebody say, and this is rhetorical because no doubt you have, but you know, about the whole, oh, the church just makes a lot of money and. Or takes I, all your money. Yeah, and I like to ask those people, okay, so come inside our facility and look around. How do you think we pay the light bill? And where where do you perceive that the money should come from? Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of villainizing of, of, of folks that give to a cause. But if you're a member of, of 
family worship center, it's pretty clear to see where the money goes. It goes into the facility and into our mission. Is it not? Right. Absolutely. It's pretty apparent to me. Now, if we all gave and the place was falling down around it and there was yeah. water everywhere. Well, the there was car- water in there last week, but that's not because we missed a long story. But. <laughs> the carpet was threadbare. Then you begin to question where is the money Shut going? off notices stuck to the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So then does it become incumbent as leaders, Pastor Adams, that we, 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 we've got to be, we've got to articulate the vision to create the buy-in, if you will, as well. The, if, 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 mm. if a congregation does not know the mission of the church, then there is no impetus there right. or spiritual responsibility right. to step to the plate and say, well, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. Right. I feel right. my responsibility to make this happen. That's right. Well, you know, here's the thing. Finances are connected to everything we do in the ministry. Yeah. Any, any, uh, anything we do, if we have church on Sunday, it costs to have that building. It costs to provide insurance. It costs to have utilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything costs money. The sound system costs money. And if we run a van to pick up people and bring them to church. The van costs money and you get insurance and the wear and tear and the fuel and on and on the list goes. Most churches, even small churches, uh, it takes thousands and thousands of dollars just to keep the doors of the facility open mm. every single month. Well, and you've been involved with mission work, heavily involved with mission work. I don't even yes. care if, you're, if your facility is a stick facility with a tin roof and a mud floor. It right. still takes money. Yes, it does. It's yeah. to, to keep it functioning. Right, right. Wow, so good. And, and, and a lot of times money is really the determining factor of whether or not the vision of that local church becomes a reality or remains a dream. Wow. The only thing between dreams and reality mm. is, is finance in many cases. Wow. Wow. Well, that's good. That is so good. So, so you're saying there are still unfulfilled visions because the money isn't there yet. Yeah. 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 Mm. It is. It is. Wow. So, so one thing that I've kind of been seeing in the word of God and if it's okay, I like to talk about it a little bit is the role of financial facilitators in the local church. Mm. When you go through the scriptures, you ever wonder how Jesus, uh, was able to spend three and a half years with 12 men. That's 13 guys. Yeah. And we know they uh, had some money. Now, keep in mind, these guys apparently left their fishing boats mm-hmm. to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Matthew, the tax collector, uh, from what I can tell, he wasn't collecting taxes mm-hmm. after he started following Jesus. So, Granted, they live simple lifestyles from what we can tell, but 13 men can eat a lot of food. <laughs> I guess they can. That's mm-hmm. a lot of groceries every week. Right. They they lodge somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're, in, in three and a half years, you got to buy clothes. There's, there's obviously things that they needed, physical needs. They had expenses, 
in order to accomplish their mission. From what we can tell, they did not work jobs. And so who bankrolled them? Well, I think I think we have a couple clues on this. Uh, one was in Luke 8, verse 3. The Bible mentions Joanna, which was the wife of Herod Steward, and Susanna, and the Bible says many others ministered unto him of the wow. substance. Yeah. <laughs> and so the yeah. reason Jesus could be yeah. healing, sick, raising the dead, and and they could do all of what they did is because you have some people there in the background that understood their role in the redemption narrative was so- to be a financial facilitator. Well, we've got a redemption narrative going on in our churches right now. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to have some Joannas and Susannas. We've got to have some. And, and here's another thing uh, that would be a, another discussion. It's how many women prominently funded the work of God. Lydia, yes. the store of purple. And then you get over to Corinth. There was Chloe that was instrumental in getting that church started because she was a wealthy woman there. Yes. So there's the idea of the wealthy woman funding the ministry is kind of all there in the background of the New Testament. Wow. And this completely flies in the face of the critical narrative that would say, well, if it's God's provision, he can provide the miracle to make it happen. That's right. Because he didn't even do that for his ministry. I mean, he He, could have turned stones to bread. He could have done it. And, uh, but the reality is you are the miracle. Oh, uh, well, and your bank account is the miracle that God's <laughs> wanting to use. Well, so, I was reading the other day. Oh, that's a Jesus. Bible bomb. Oh, you got to hit a Bible bomb on that. Come on. <laughs> just blew it up. Then Jesus sends out the 70. Isn't it interesting that he told these guys, he said, don't take uh, a purse well, with you. Don't take any money. So he designed this New Testament evangelism model that in order to survive financially, you had to win souls. Well, you went into town. If you were going to eat, Jesus said, you can't take anything with you. So if you were going to have your meal the next day, you had to make a convert pretty quick. And that directly ties into the Levitical model of the tithes supporting them. God wanted his full-time ministers to depend on the people they were able yes. to reach with the gospel yes, in order to be supported. Because face it, let's face it, we, we don't say this at church much, but this is not church, this is podcast, so I'll we're say safe. something. Right yeah, no church people listen to this. <laughs> we all think about money every day. Mm-hmm. Sure we do. Yes. We do. <laughs> yeah. And we all want to get a little, little bit more of it. Yes. And guess what? Once again, I can't say this at church, but the preacher likes to make a good paycheck too. Sure he does. For sure. And God designed this system to incentivize ministers to reach souls by connecting their financial livelihood with the people they were able to reach. Mm, that's exactly. Oh, yes. Exactly. If I'm depending on the people I reach to provide my meals, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to go reach people. Yes. I'm going to try to find a cook. That's right. So God <laughs> set up right. the first commission system. I was going to say. 
Commission based. <laughs> yeah. Commission based. I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And you know, you get over into uh First Corinthians. I've spent some time over the years teaching and studying through First Corinthians. Paul goes there. Uh really the whole Corinthian model is a great study on church finance. It's first and second Corinthians deal extensively with church finance. So Paul goes there and later on, he says that he is worried that uh, the Corinthians will think he's just in it for money. So the, the fear that you, all of us ministers have today of being accused of being in it for the money, Paul had that fear too. So he went to Corinth, he worked part-time as a tent maker to uh, supplement his income but there is this passage over towards the end of 1 Corinthians in chapter 16. Paul mentions three men in the Corinthian church, or they may not have been in the Corinthian church, but they came by. Perhaps they were from another area. He said, I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, because that which was lacking on your part, in other words, Corinthian church, you weren't taking care of me financially. Mm-hmm. He said, so you were lacking but he said, they supplied it. And then he goes on to say, for they have refreshed my spirit and, and yours. yours. So here's what happens. Three money men come and they see what Paul's doing in Corinth. Mm-hmm. They see the missionary endeavor. And so these guys start writing checks. Mm-hmm. Or probably didn't write checks. They brought money back. <laughs> and, and so they bankrolled Paul and his missionary effort there in Corinth. But there's a little phrase at the end of verse 18 there, verse Corinthians 16, that I saw here uh, a number of weeks back. Mm. I've never heard anybody preach on this. Yeah. But he said, acknowledge ye them that are such. So we have a command here by Paul to give special recognition to Mm. the money people in the church. Well. Now that's directly opposite of what we teach and believe. I think that I heard that cow mooing in San Francisco right there too. It's mooing in Canada right now. I'm just saying. (laughs) It's about time somebody recognized me in church. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. And I get it. We we don't want to give, try to get glory and become an ego thing. Sure. But we have to get comfortable with the fact that God has put certain people in a church that, that are for sure that are above and beyond able to facilitate financially facilitate the mission of the local church. Right. Anybody that would give for the express purpose of being recognized, they're a Pharisee. Right. We don't give and try to trumpet what we do. The Bible says to give with simplicity. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that we give out of humility and simplicity does not mean that we should let those with a mm-hmm. gift of giving go unrecognized. If we have great Sunday school teachers, we'll recognize them at certain points. Mm-hmm. We give honor to our pastor and to our lay ministers. We give honor to the volunteers that keep up the yard at church. We we give honor to a lot of people that do a lot of things. When's the last time we've been in any of our churches and special honor was given to the people who had the gift of giving? Wow. Yeah. It's not happened wow. 
here. So I, yeah. we just don't do it. But Paul right. said here, acknowledge them that are such. Yeah. And so this this raises the uh, issue here. Are there people that they're can I, can I say a primary calling they have is to be a financial facilitator in the local church. Sure. Our church here locally, we have people that are very gifted teaching Bible studies. That, that's a niche they're in. Other people are mm-hmm. gifted at musically. People are gifted with hospitality. But in Romans 12, Paul said that we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So here this means that in the church, there are various gifts that go to various people. We know that. We taught and believe that for years. But he said the, the gifts, they differ according to the grace that is given. So that I, I hope I'm using the right wording here to be theologically correct, but let me give you the essence of what I see. Sure. I see God's grace as this overarching attribute but as grace uh, shines down on us, just like if a, if a if a diamond were to refract light, mm-hmm. that grace is divided up into various uh, beams, if you will, using mm-hmm. the diamond analogy, reflecting a beam of light, to where if you refract light, it divides the colors, and if you shine refracted light on the wall it's it's a coming from a common light source but Mm -hmm. it it shows up in different ways right it's like that when the grace of god is refracted into a church it shows up in different ways some people get a special grace for preaching the word other people get a grace for singing that that's a that's an aspect of grace i know nothing about about. but i believe that there is a particular grace. I think this is borne out in Romans 12 and also 2 Corinthians 8 specifically mentions a grace that is unique to giving finances. So here he said there's different gifts in the body and the gifts differ according to the grace. And then in verse 8 of Romans 12, he said, he that giveth and he that giveth is Mentioned in a whole list of uh, of offices here, we have people that minister, people that teach, people that exhort, people that show mercy, that rule. All these are set functions in the sure. body, right? But here in this list of offices being listed out in Romans twelve, one of the offices references is is he that gives. So from what I'm getting from Romans 12 is the financial facilitator. That's a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is a special aspect of God's grace that comes into the body. And it's also, if I, it's, a, it's a position in the church. And it may not be a position in the sense that we put a plaque on the wall. Sure. Sure. Uh, but there are people, that's their place, that's their niche in the body of Christ. And I think if we would just start talking about this a little bit and we could cast a vision for it, there are people that are specially gifted 
at business and at making money, this provides them a way to connect with God's exactly. mission. Exactly in ways they may not be able to do in, in other other forms. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I think I think what you've been what you've been breaking down these last few moments is so central mm-hmm. yeah. uh to that becoming a reality because we've got to talk about it. Yes. And yes. and here here in our area, we live in the greater metro area of oh yeah plaster rock. <laughs> And just hang on. There's a jet flying over and we can't, yeah. The, the, the noise interferes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll tell my pilot to fly. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, oh. You're doing a, he's doing a flyover right now. There it is. There it is. <laughs> just tip the wing at us. Would you yeah, just yeah. give us a little, yeah. God bless him. We, we've had to, we've had to talk about this with our young people. Uh, young men. Man, you can do this even here. Yes. It yes. doesn't have a geographical restriction to it. I mean, there's certain That's aspects good. of business that would not necessarily thrive here. But if you're good at business, you can find something that works. Absolutely. And this is so, so critical to the, the, the concept of tying that to the kingdom of God. And at some point, man, God gets involved with this. Yes. That's that's the key, when God gets involved in it. And so someone just asked a question the other day, what does it mean to be blessed or to have God's favor? I think the way you know that you have the blessing of God on you, as opposed to someone else that is just doing what they're doing and doing it well, mm-hmm. maybe a sinner is doing the same business and doing pretty good. What's the difference between someone that is blessed as a, opposed to someone that just does a good job at what they're doing. I think blessing is when you start succeeding to a degree that exceeds the sum total of what your circumstances say you should be doing. Uh, it's when you are doing good. beyond what your degree and work and effort and all the cumulative natural human stuff you do, when there's a level of success that supersedes all of that, you can look at that and say, there's no doubt, but, but God is blessing me to do what mm. I'm doing. Well, that's a good definition. That's absolutely right. There's no reason why this should be going as good as it is. That's right. Yeah, it's the blessing. I've said that about our church in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, come yeah. on, there's no reason why we should have a church like this in a small area like this. Right. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it's nothing but God. It's, right. it's absolutely nothing but God. You've got to throw that back at the feet of Jesus. That's got nothing to do with, with, with any element of human ingenuity whatsoever. Yes. So it's not a financial cult. No, no. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> not yet. I'm just here to ask the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So good. So it's an office, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. So talk a little bit more, and I'm I'm gonna you you were gracious enough to share your your um, notes with us. So I'm gonna reach ahead, and hopefully it doesn't mess up the narrative here. But 
it's really not the um, the role of the fundraiser to make all of this happen. Yeah, um, I guess we're we, while well, we're the business of kicking cows. Let's let's go ahead and kick that cow. <laughs> Man, um, this poor cow. <laughs> the reason most churches have had to do fundraisers is because they haven't taught their people to give. Mm. Fundraising. And, and, and let me just put out a disclaimer. We've done it. Sure. And some of the ones I've done, I'm embarrassed. Uh, the fact that we have done it. <laughs> uh, if our young people is going to want to take a trip to six flags I'm, I'm okay. If they want to raise funds, that's a little carnal endeavor. Do what you want to do. But we're early, early on in my pastor here. So we'll not do fundraisers. That's not a good deal. Mm-hmm. Peanut brittle is not God's plan. Right. For funding the kingdom. <laughs> Selling car washes is not God's plan for funding the kingdom. Yeah. I have a pastor friend. He, uh, he recounted something to me uh, years ago that stuck. He, he talked about the taking a church that was fairly small. And in the church kitchen, the refrigerator uh, quit working, and they needed a refrigerator. And I don't know how much they needed. It was maybe $1,000 or so. And so they started a fundraiser to buy a new refrigerator for the church kitchen. And I don't know what they were selling or doing, but at some point an unbeliever in their community cornered, uh, it was either the pastor or one of the members that said, let me ask you something. You teach about God saving people, and you teach a message called deliverance, like God taking people off drugs and turning their life around. Said, if God can do all that stuff, why can't God bless you with a, uh, a refrigerator or church kitchen? Oh, and we're out. We're out. Let's just fake. Oh. Let's just let's be real honest. A lot of our fundraisers is glorified begging. Oh, it's a yes. solicitation to unbelievers for money, and we give them a fifty cent candy bar for two dollars. Yes, yes. <laughs> just so we don't feel as much like a beggar. I still hear that cow. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna blow that up. Oh. <laughs> We get all of our people up here on Saturday washing cars. Why not just tell everybody to work an hour of overtime and give it? We'd make five times what we would make on a car wash. Well, and I'd have my Saturday off. Fundraiser to a large degree. uh, They're they're kind of a poor man's mentality. And once again, if if you guys want to do it, have at it. I I do have some peanut brittle. Would you like some? What's that? I have some peanut brittle. Would you? Would you I like love some? it. I love peanut brittle. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll buy the first bag. We, we are selling. But God's plan for funding ministry is tithes and offering. That's wow, God's plan. So good, absolutely. And I think anytime we just buckle down as leaders and say, you know what, around this church, we're going to do it God's way. Yep. God will start blessing what we're doing. I agree. I agree. So good, man. So tithes and offerings are God's plan for financing. That's God's plan. That is God's plan. How does this relate to a man or a woman, as you've as you've uh, so capably pointed out here a few moments ago, 
that's maybe running a business? How, how does yeah, that, that's a great question? So, you know, we know tithing is giving the uh, first tenth of our income, and offering is uh, what we give above and beyond our tithing. Now, this is just a little side note that's probably outside the scope of our discussion. But I personally believe that offerings ought to be given uh, as a percentage, just like tithing. Tithing is stipulated as 10%. We don't have to. There's no such thing as 5% tithes or 13% tithes. Right. God assigned that percentage. But nowhere that I can find in Mm. the Bible did God assign a percentage of offering. But I do believe there are many scriptures that suggest that it should be a percentage. And I think that's a percentage we've got to hammer out between us and God. It's a spirit-led. Let the Holy Ghost deal with it. If it's 5% or 2% or 10%. Right. Do an offering. There needs to be offering. But but once we do that, when we get into the idea of tithing on business, let's face it, it gets a little more challenging. Sure. If, if you're just working a, a job eight to five and you're working by the hour and you get, get a paycheck every week, it's pretty easy to look at your paycheck and calculate your tithes and offerings. But if you're a business owner and your, your income doesn't all come through the form of a payroll check. Mm-hmm. You've got your payroll check. Uh, you've got profit sharing, quarterly draws. You've got yearly draws. You have retained earnings. Uh, you have uh, you know, money that you have put into equity in the business that never finds its way through a payroll check. So if you've got a successful business going, how much money did you really make? But if you've got a good accountant, your good accountant can make it look like none. You okay. didn't do as good as what you did. It's a really yeah. bad year. That's really right. Bad year. Your tax burden. Yes. But we don't want to try to we don't want to try to uh, treat God just the same way we treat the government. Mm. I, I want to pay as little taxes as I I can. I, I think we legally we need to pay everything we owe. Sure. But if my accountant can find deductions and depreciation and anything they can do to reduce my tax burden, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to my business ventures and my tithing and my offering, I'm not looking for a way to try to reduce my tithing burden down as low as I can. I want to be very careful because I understand that Tithing and offerings connected to God's mission. And if right. I'm going to be a blessed man, if I'm going to get dominion in my business ventures, I'm going to have to do this thing right. I can I can fool a lot of people, but I can't fool God. Oh. And so I want my contributions to be right in my business. Yes. Yes. So that, that leads and, and kind of throws doors open to a number of, um, a number of questions, and man, this, this is this is all so good. But so how 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 do I, I I suppose this falls back on an an individual's integrity, his character, the being open with God more than you are with the tax man. Yes. Um. But say say I've got a, a business that 
still has debt, which a lot of successful businesses will always have debt. Sure, sure. Um, that's not necessarily, you know, a, a successful business model is not necessarily to be debt free. There's always expansions and cash increase and in cash flow. And yep. so, how do I balance coming up with that true, maybe I could say it this way, righteous number of what is legitimate increase? If I still have debt, is it considered increase? Um, when it comes to to being open with God and fair and just with what what my obligation is, yeah, that, and that's a great question. And I, let me just share my opinion. And I want to stipulate this is just my opinion. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and and I and I do have uh, a little side business that uh, we we fool with some real estate ventures, and we carry some debt on some of the investments. And so the way this works in my little world is when I'm making my debt payments from my business, the portion of the payment that goes to interest is, is an expense. I'm not paying ties mm -hmm. on the monies that I would direct towards the interest payment because that's a business expense. But the part of that payment that goes to the principal that is accumulating equity in my business, yeah. even though I haven't realized that gain in the form of a paycheck, it's still a gain. And I need to need to treat it as such. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. That's very good. And maybe that doesn't work for every business model out there. I, I know that there's a lot of different scenarios, but uh, you know, we, uh, if you have a business, I don't know how it is in Canada, but the business here can own a car. And if you own the business, you get to drive that car all the time, mm -hmm. but the business can pay for the cars as an expense. Right. And if you're using business, uh, you know, you get perks, you get meals and you get, sure. you get all of these things. Sure as legitimate business expenses. That's all legal. Mm -hmm. But yet, we got to be real honest, that's also increased to us personally. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to factor that in when it's time to make our contributions. Wow. Yeah, so let me just say from a, an employee standpoint, so instead of getting a bump or a raise, I get a company phone. I should be paying on that. I think, I think it's a good thing. And, and once again, on some of these things, I don't know if we can make absolute mm. commandments on it. Mm -hmm. There's a scripture in Proverbs that I think uh, really plays into our whole discussion. In Proverbs 11 and verse 3, it says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Mm. Perverseness of yeah. transgressors shall destroy them. And... When it comes to tithing and offering, when we have the attitude and we approach it from a standpoint, not from a legalist, but standpoint of, you know what, I just want to be blessed. Right. And when I'm paying my tithes, I want to be open-handed. Mm. And if I even feel like this is a, this is the increase, I'm, I'm going to do it. Just, just for example, us, for my wife and I personally, for, for years, we, you know, people would every now and then give us a little gift card, maybe a gift card to a restaurant. 
and stuff. We we never really thought about paying tithes on that. You know, at Christmas time, someone gives me a Christmas present. I don't pay tithes on the present. And I always just kind of want gift cards and that same deal. But a few years back, we got to thinking, you know, this gift card is a real increase. And it's got real specified financial value associated with it. So we start paying tithes on our gift cards. Now, does God require that? I, I don't know. But for us, I just felt like it was a good thing yeah. to do. And uh, it seems like we get more and more gift cards. Uh, <laughs> wow. You know it. Yeah. You know it. What, what can I say? So it's, it's worked. So let me ask you this, Pastor Adams. Um, I'm running XYZ Business. It has seasonal, um, every, I, I very seldom are you going to get a business that is just at its optimal performance 12 months of the year. Right. So everybody, that's part of managing, that's part of being a steward, is I'm forecasting this is where I'm going. Hopefully I make in this three-month window enough that it pulls me through um, the months that are, are less lucrative. So as it relates to paying tithe on a business, is that the kind of thing, again, we're talking at this point opinions, but is it is it your opinion that that should be paid monthly, consistently throughout the year, or should it be once a year when you are really boiling everything down and realizing what the overall increase. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to do it, and but it's my opinion that it's a good the time to pay ties is the point when we have our profit in the bag, when when it's realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the sense if I were in a business that was heavily uh, profitable in the spring, for example, the car business, the used car business are gonna make probably half of their a yearly income in the months of uh, February, March, and April. Mm-hmm. And so once you, once that income is, is realized and it's, and it's a known thing, I think, I think that that's the point where you're, you're paying your tithes on it. Mm-hmm. But if people want to do it quarterly or yearly, I don't see anything in the Bible that would say that's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Well, it would almost be the same thing then um, with stock portfolios or investments. Right. You know, if 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 I start paying ties on what's not realized, that can be good some days and could be yeah. a ripoff on some days. Yeah, when, when it comes to stocks and investment, my personal opinion is uh, is you would pay ties at the point you cash in. And we're at the point of transaction where it goes from uh, being just appreciated value and to where it became a tangible profit that's in your hand. Okay, so let me ask you this. You cash out on a particular stock. You realize a profit. You're not going to withdraw it. You're going to reinvest it. Do you still... Do you still tithe on that tithe increase? The point that I cashed out and realized the profit. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Love it. Man, this 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 is what mm-hmm. is so so good about this. And I really appreciate you being willing to 
tackle this topic because, um, you know, you can get you can get down to the grassroots of these biblical principles in a setting like this, where sometimes preaching it across the pulpit is more of we just do it, you know. Yes, and people leave with questions that sincerely want to know. Yeah, yeah, and face it, some of these questions are not easily answered. True. True. They're just not because there's a lot of nuance to it. Yes, it's complicated. Mm. So if it's complicated, how how do we give with simplicity? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd, I'd like you to explain that. <laughs> Maybe that means we're just supposed to have an easy easy way for them. You know, I got a box here. Put it in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, man. Do you, do you have any other other tips? I know. I mean, we could we could start breaking down all aspects of business. Um, this has been excellent. Excellent discussion. Any anything along the lines of, of of advice, tips on giving in general? Yeah, I I, I think I think so. Um, just kind of throw out a few things that I've watched from personal observation. See it in the scriptures. Uh, first of all, I think we should give with simplicity. We should never give with the goal of being recognized. I'm not a big fan of these public offerings where where everybody's going to be recognized at give. Yeah, and I know yeah. we all been places where that's done, and and if that works, that's fine. But the Bible does say to give with simplicity, and to me, that is we just write the check and we do it with very little fanfare. Mm-hmm. I think there's a blessing in doing that. And then another important thing that we have to we have to emphasize from time to time is we never want to give money with strings attached. When God blesses us to be able to significantly give, we don't want to use that giving as a leverage on the leadership of the church. Very good. And because you're really giving it to God, not to a man. That's right. We're giving it to God. We're not giving it to a man. Right. And just face it, when you're running a successful business, you kind of know how much things cost. Mm-hmm. And when you go to church for a while, you kind of size up where everybody else is at. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to give a very significant portion of money to the church, you kind of do the mental calculations. And, and we would all say that we don't do that. But we're lying. Yeah, yeah. We all know good and well. We, yep. we, we're, we're thinking how much do my ties and offerings really matter around here? Right. That's that's a human way to think. But it's very important that we have the attitude. Number one, I'm giving it to God. Number two, I'm going to trust my preacher to handle things as a good steward, and to do it with. Uh, uh, with, with integrity. Mm. And so we don't ever want to use our money or to withhold money as a way of making a statement. Very that's, good. that's not the spirit we need to, to do. Cause I think we get into doing that. God's not going to bless what we're doing. It, it takes something away from the essence of the offering, but I'll just say this to church leaders. Um, that puts a great responsibility in our shoulders. We better oh. do things right mm. We better handle church finances with integrity. 
Absolutely, man. We That's another learn, cow. We better learn some money management skills. Yes. And uh, now this is this is just my opinion. While we're spouting opinions, I'll spout another one off here. Yeah. If a guy doesn't know how to manage money, he's not qualified to pastor. Absolutely. If 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 you can't be a good steward of your own resources and mm. other people's resources, do something different. Take a Dave Ramsey class. Do something. Yes. Um, Absolutely. We have to be good stewards. We have to be good stewards. Um, and I, I think yeah. we, we can't be, I don't think as leaders that we can overlook the fact that we will give account for this. That's right. We will. To and God. Sometimes, <laughs> and, and sometimes we in ministry can get the spirit of Hophni and Phineas, mm-hmm. Eli's sons, that when people came to pay tithes, they were, they were receiving those tithes in a demanding way. To the point the Bible says they caused men to abhor the sacrifice of the Lord. Wow. And mm. so it's one thing for the good saint of God in our churches to know that they should pay tithes, but I need to receive them and administrate them in such a way that they feel good about paying them. Wow. Oof. If I approach tithing as a minister in, with a pig-headed belligerent you owe me i'm entitled yes this is is my right do it and do it because there's a there's a selfish greedy something yes people may do it but they'll despise doing it and so we have a great obligation as church leaders that we better handle finances with the utmost of discretion well and and okay Mm -hmm. then then the whole thing begins crumbling if we really believe that leadership is what it is Hosea said, like people, like priest. That's right. And so you reproduce who you are. That's right. That's re- right. That's and, very good. And then you have a church full of people who don't manage their money. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, and then it becomes a compounding frustration because there's never enough money to, quote, unquote, get the mission done. Yeah. Mm. And, it, and yeah. it's just a, it creates a cycle of that frustration. That's, that's, that's very good. And a couple other things I think is important in addition to giving by percentage to be led by the spirit from time to time to give the special needs or causes. And there's been a, what I've watched in my own life, there have been occasional times where I would feel prompted or my wife too has, has felt prompted and I've learned anytime she feels to give an offering, we better do it. Yeah, absolutely. Whether I feel it or not, we're going to do it because God's yeah. about to bless it. And when when we give special offerings at the prompting of the Spirit, there will always be a particular breakthrough that is attached to those kind of offerings. So we need to be open to that. And another thing that uh, I feel very strongly about is giving regular to missions. I think it's a good idea for every church member to give something to missions with every single paycheck. I agree. Churches need to give heavily to missions. And and what I've watched here locally, the more that we can pour into the mission field, it just seems like the more God blesses all the other funds. Never Never think that my local church is going to do without because we give more to missions. And Bishop McKillop just said, amen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And for those that, that, that this may be a new concept to, the local church never suffers. Right. It never suffers. You don't have to put your vision on the back burner. That's right. To put someone else's forward. That's right. You don't have to do it. We're going through a building program right now. You all have been through one, and that has been a commitment that we've made from the beginning. We are not going to build this building with missions money. Right. Not going to do it. And God will bless that. And he has. And you want churches that give heavily to missions. They're the churches that are that are really having revival and growing. They are. And I just, I, I do, frankly, I don't understand pastors who don't want to give money to missions. I don't either. I just, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't get it. I think they're, well, they're lacking I, no fundamental revelation. And 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 the flow stops at that moment. The, yes. the because you're you're cutting your legs off literally um at that moment and 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 it it affects it affects the progress of your own vision you stymie right. your own growth and progress right i agree you gotta lift up your eyes well can a church have mission without giving to missions well that's a good question yeah because <laughs> you started the whole day today's episode with talking about mission, right? Right. So where is your mission coming from? That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Wow. Man, Pastor Adams, this has been... The cows had a bad day. (laughs) Yeah, the cows had a bad day. (laughs) They did. Well, it's been an honor to be with you guys. And man, I'm so uh, excited about the King Speak podcast. And you guys are doing a great job, doing it first class. Well, we definitely appreciate everybody that's coming alongside and helping us make it what it is. And this is, I believe, your third episode, and you have tackled man some yeah. incredible stuff. Yeah, and I just appreciate your your willingness to do that. Well, it's an honor to be a part. So we're going to just go ahead and expect that we'll be able to do this again sometime while you're still live with us right now. I'd be honored to. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Everybody comment below. Give us the thumbs up. He's coming back.